0: Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. I'm starting a a series. I thought it was just going to be one message earlier in the week. I knew already the Lord was putting on my heart about hope. And not just hope, but hope in darkness. When all seems to be dark, I don't know about you, if you're in dark times or if you're in hopeless times, or if you're in, in overwhelming times, or you're, you're thinking, how is this going to work out? And sometimes um, we who are, are perhaps a little bit older, we recognize that things have changed in the last few years. You don't have to be too old to know that there's been some major changes and shifts in the last few years. And we see that our, our planet is being shaken exactly how the Lord said it would happen 2,000 years ago. Read he, uh, or Matthew 24 and 25. Read Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 13. Read Luke chapter 21. And you will read of what the Lord says will happen in the last days and it has begun to happen. We are in the last days. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is coming back And what is coming after he comes back and takes those that are followers of Jesus Christ as he takes them away, literally, off this planet. What is coming after that? Nobody. You would not want your worst enemy to have to go through those things that are coming. To have hope in darkness. Without hope, people give up. I give up. I can't do I can't do this anymore. Whatever it is that you're going through, I give up. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. I can't I I just I just can't do this anymore. Whatever it may be, whatever you may be going through. And when you stop having hope and you give up, you are in a in a bad place. You don't you don't want to do anything. There's no more drive. There's no more ambition. There's no more setting of goals. There's no more purpose. It's just like, what's the point? And I want want you to know this morning that believers can get to that place. Even a follower of Jesus Christ, when we start to look away can get to a place of hopelessness or when we, we experience something that is so beyond us, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a tragic uh, event that has happened. Maybe it's uh, uh, something that is, is health-related or relation-related. Maybe it's financial devastation and we get to a point of being Overwhelmed. And we just say, well, how am I going to get through this? And there's this thing of hopelessness. And we get to a place. When we're in a place of hopelessness, it is a a dark place to be. It's not often that we are in complete darkness. If there is even a little bit of light, if there's just a little bit of light, all of a sudden we begin to see. There doesn't doesn't have to be very much. So, I don't know if you've ever tested this. You've gone into a, a room. There's no lights. Or maybe you've... I remember clo- getting sh- uh, or closing myself into a, this closet. Closing the door. And I just wanted to see there's no light. No light. Absolutely zero light. And it's true. You, you can have your hands right in front, in front of you. You do not see your hands. There is no light. With a little bit of light, then suddenly things start to become visible to you. There are people that are in darkness. They don't see it. They don't know it. They're in such darkness. And today, I want to talk, in this series, I thought it was just going to be a a, one day, but it's, it's turned into, I know already, the next four weeks or n- next three weeks beyond today. So if this is a, a bit of a series. And this is part one of a part four, I think, uh, series uh, to have hope in darkness. Because we need hope in these days. We need hope. And I want you to know that there, is, there are things that God still wants to do, regardless of Matthew 24 and 25. Regardless of these passages talking about the end days, the Lord still has some amazing things yet to be done, not just on us, but through us. We need to grab a hold of this. So this thing of hope, oftentimes we can we can have a negative ho- hope or uh, uh, when we look at the, the negative, as we look at maybe... F- at the things of, of evil or of fe- uh, there's a fear that may come because of situations, whatever. And so we, st- we start to, we have a negative view of this word hope. And we, we would often use the, the phrase or the term, well, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope uh, I don't get sick. Or if I am sick, I hope especially with cancer, I hope that it doesn't get worse. I hope that I don't die. I hope. And so there's a negative thing regarding or there's a uh, tied in with the negative. I, there's this thing of, like, well, I hope the negative doesn't happen. The expectation of, of, of bad things, of evil. And oftentimes with it, there's this, this, as, this aspect of fear that comes, that just grips and paralyzes you as it hits you, the things of darkness. But hope also has the the positive aspect to it, the expectation of good, the expectation of something good happening, of something good happening, a good outcome, even in negative situations. And in fact, the word hope here There's, in the Christian sense, in the godly sense, there's there's expectations. Regardless of where you might be negatively, there is an expectation and even a joy and a confidence of good outcomes as a believer or follower of Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ, We should expect a good outcome. Not even death can separate us from the love of God. I was spent many, many hours, many times that I met with with Ron over the last three months. And I don't recall any time that our brother, even losing his foot... Not once did I, did I hear a thing of, well, you know what? What's the point? What's the point of living? What's the point of, of, of going on? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There was a, an expectation. You know what? I, I, if, if I don't see all that's going to happen, I know this, that God is with me. God is with me and he's going to see me through it. And even in in difficult times and and things negative, things that happen, I saw that my brother had hope and it was because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there is a, a confident expectation for us as believers in Romans 8:28, it says that all things work to good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose all things not just the good things we're talking all things we're talking even the negative things and it goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing, and it goes through a whole list of things that would potentially try to separate us, but it can never separate us from the love of God. It goes on to say in Romans 8, it says, for we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The last, this past year, It's hit me again and again, and and I, I say to people, hey, you have a choice. God gave you free will. He gave you free will to do life with him or without him. It is your choice. You can do life with God or without him. You can go do problems on your own. Or you can do problems with God. I I don't know about you, but I want to do, if there's problems that are happening, I want to do them with God. It's your choice. It's How are you going to live? And I'll tell you right now, when we have hope, there is a confident expectation of a good outcome. Regardless, even in the worst of times, in the worst of situations, to have hope is what we need. And hope, and we'll see how we have that hope. Hallelujah. So, Paul, Paul was a murderer. Can you imagine God using a murderer to write half of the, 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 the books in the New Testament? I don't know about you, but if God can use Paul who was determined to see that anybody that was a believer would would be detained in some way. Even, well, the first martyr, can you imagine being stoned to death? Well, it was because of Paul. Back at that point, his, his name was Saul. But he was responsible for a man named Stephen to be stoned to death you can read of it it's actually happened I don't know about you if I was going to die I would want it to be very quick I I, I think being stoned to death would be a, a brutal way to go that's how Stephen died and Paul was transformed by the power of God as he had an encounter with Jesus the, the encounter, as the light shone, can you imagine it was midday. The sun is shining brightly, and there is a light that came that knocked that was so much brighter than the, the the light of the sun that literally knocked him off his horse. And there was a speaking to to Saul at that point, and there was a powerful change that took place in Saul as he recognized. I am fighting against God. My fight that I'm, I that I, I I have at this point is with against God. And there was a change that took place, as Jesus became so real to Paul. I'm amazed. I can't wait to meet Paul. I can't wait to meet him. Like the depth of truly, when he talks about the things that in Second. Uh, Corinthians chapter 12 he talks about the things that have been revealed to me and and I'm I'm amazed the things that were revealed to Paul and, and so much of it he's revealed to us and it's revealed by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to write letters and so much of what Paul wrote were letters to the churches, many of them that he started to say hey this is what you should do or shouldn't do And it was in the inspiration and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so here Paul, in Acts chapter 17, verse 22, he goes to Athens. Athens is in Greece. You can go there. And he goes to Mars Hill at the Areopagus, which was a place of judgment. Now there was tied in it was the Greek mythology and all of that, but it was a an actual place where judgment took place for extreme crimes. And around that place, there were different idols of the gods. In fact, Areopagus comes from Ares, which is the the god the Greek mythical god of war. And so that's where you get this this word. But it was a place, according to Greek mythology, that that there was a judgment that came against Ares. And so a temple was, was built there. But it became a place of judgment. But the people would also meet there on this hill. And so Paul... He is in this place and he's there in Athens, Greek, Greece, and he stands in the midst of the Areopagus and says, men of Athens, so people would come with their philosophies and their views and their, the, their ideas and people would gather there to listen. They wanted the latest thing. I don't know about you, that, that's exactly what's happening today. People want the latest thing, and we have it, whether it's on the media. The media that we have today, you, can, you, you don't even have to go to the newspaper, you don't have to listen to, to on television or on the radio. You have it right on your phone, and you, you can go on YouTube or whatever, and there's the latest thing is there for you. We're going to try to grab a hold of it. Sometimes you're trying to find out information. How do you do this? How how do you do that? And sometimes you're also trying to find out when it comes to negative things in your life, well, how do I get out of it? Well, let me just Google it. I'll just Google it and and, and come up with a solution for this this predicament. There's got to be somebody that, that has gone through this before me. I can find some answers to have some hope. I need hope. For you young, young people, you young adults, it might be, especially with the, the rising cost of things and housing and whatever, it's like, Lord, how are we going to get through this? How can I afford? We've, I've got, we've got people that, we've got six or seven families now that have moved out of Niagara Falls or the area, and they have moved to other places. East, West, South, California, wherever. Last week, there was prayer for our brother and sister, Doreen and Ryan and the three girls. And uh, they made it safely to Palm Springs. And uh, so, but there was, there's a moving for things that maybe are better than where we are at now. I'm not saying, hey, folks, I don't want next Sunday to come and everybody's gone because they've moved away. There's a work. There's an exciting work that still needs to be done here in Niagara Falls, and Niagara region, in this area. God has put you here for a reason. And I say, Lord, use me powerfully. So these people, it's like, do they have a hope? So Paul stands in the midst of them and he says, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, the things that you worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. So the other idols, they all had names. That's all they were, were idols. Formed by man. I don't know about you, but you, pray, you can pray a long time to a stone Formed stone and idol, and it'll still be there. It can do nothing for you. Idols can't do anything for us. We make idols maybe not out of stone, but we make idols maybe out of people. We make idols out of uh, different paths of, of profession or whatever. They become our idol. Think to worship, but here, to the unknown God. He says, let me tell you about the unknown God. He's unknown to you. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. This church cannot contain God. God is here. Jesus is here where two or three are gathered in his name. He is here. Do you think that this place can hold God? Absolutely not. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. i got to make an idol of me. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things, I'll tell you right now, believer or unbeliever, You have your life and your existence and your breath because God knew that you would exist before time began. And even in your mother's womb, it says in the scripture that there are books, volumes being written or were written even while you were in your mother's womb. God knew you would exist and God knows that he has plans for you. Lord, let your plan be done in my life. Lord, you've given me life, you've given me breath, and all things. And today, we have a world that says, there is no God. Are you kidding me? So all things began from nothing. How scientific is that? They say, we we use science. We use science. And the whole foundation of there being no God is based on the the, the premise that everything that ever existed came from nothing. It is God that gives life, he gives breath, and he gives all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Do you think God is not aware of what's going on right now? Once again, to have prophecy from 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago, talking about what it would be today, I just say, God, how could you have known all of these things? And he says, I know the end from the beginning. I know the end from the beginning because He is God. We're talking about having a hope, a God that is so far beyond us and yet knows everything about us, who has determined pre appointed times for us individually, our boundaries, our dwellings, that we, it says, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him though he is not far from each one of us. There's this idea of you're, you're, that there would be a, a, a chasing after God. Today, it is so true. Satan, what a liar, a deceiver, the father of lies. Man, he has deceived so many. And he, there might be those here this morning, you say, Pastor, pff, are you kidding me? And Satan has deceived you. You are in darkness. There is no God. Or God can't. No. I don't believe if there is a God, there's absolutely no way that I'll serve him. It says, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We were made in the image of God. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. He's talking about all the idols that were in that area. He's saying, do you think that if we are offspring of God that we would be... what? We're not made out of gold or silver or stone like some idol that can't do anything. We have life. We have our move. We can move and we have our being in Him. So these things... We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked. So God, so here Paul now is revealing something. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. God is revealing through Paul, he says, God ignored ig- the, the, the ignorance. Of where you were at, and to the point where he's saying you're still alive. You are alive. You have breath. You have being. You were made in the image of God, and you need to know God. You need to know God. So God overlooked the times of ignorance. God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Repentance is a change of direction. If I'm heading in this direction, I'm not doing a three sixty then I just keep going in the same direction I'm doing a 180 listen if you don't have Jesus in your life I'm telling you right now you are on a path that leads to destruction and eternity apart from God you will never be able to get out of it is a place that you would never want to be in hell is real the lake of fire is real There is no way to get out. Once you're there, you cannot get out. The time is now. The time for salvation is now. And the Lord, and and Paul was saying, you got to repent. you got to make a 180. You're heading in a road that leads to destruction. And it is sin that leads us, our own flesh, and the lie and deception of the enemy who is there to steal, kill, and destroy you. And Jesus is saying, but I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly to grab a hold. And he's saying, God is commanding that men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. In the New King James Version, that man is in uppercase letters. Man, it was not just any man, it is Jesus Christ who he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all of us by raising him from the dead. Can you imagine? We are in the year 2022. Why 2022? Every legal document that's extensive says that gives a date. There's always a dating on legal documents. In the year of our Lord, 2022. And then whatever date that is, today's August 14th, Sunday, August 14th in the year of our Lord, 2022, even man that says there is no God every time they write the date, declare that Jesus came, the man, Jesus Christ, and he died for us and he rose from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, listen, Here's the response. It's only one of two responses, really. Some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul Paul departed from among them. However, and here's the other response, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysus, the Areopagite. You may say, well, what's an Areopagite? It's not Jesus, I'll tell you that. said, or what is an Areopagite? He was one of the ones that would judge. He was, he was in the court. He was of the court in Athens there on Mars Hill. Areopagus was a place of judgment, and one of the guys that was part of the court system got saved. We will have an opportunity to meet him. And there was another woman, or there was a woman that was named Demaris. Damaris. And there were others with them that got saved. They they gave their life. They believed in Jesus. This was spoken to those that were ignorant. They just didn't know. Ignorant as in they just didn't know. No one had ever told them about God, the God that sent his son to die for us and that Jesus rose from the dead. In a few moments, we'll be having communion Communion is to remember the fact that Jesus died for us. His body broken, His blood shed for us. To have hope, one must believe in something. Listen, if you're in a hopeless situation, the only way you can have hope is if you believe in something. If you don't believe in something, you're in a place of hopelessness. So you put your faith in something to have hope. So people, they, they, they go on living without God. Their hope is in something, but it, is, it may not be God. So faith and hope go hand in hand. And it's interesting that God is saying, repent, turn. You've got to turn and turn to me. So that's where there is a hope. You have hope in me. One of the most powerful passages, John 3:16 to 21. we know the passage we know John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." So you might say, well, who's saying this? This is Jesus himself speaking to a very religious ruler, Nicodemus. It gives his name. So Jesus is talking to someone that's religious that you would figure they've got it together. Nicodemus didn't have it together. If you're religious and your faith is in religion, you're going to be, you are in darkness. You are in darkness. What is darkness? Well, we know darkness is basically, yeah, it could be the darkness of night. It could be the darkness of, of having no light, physical light. Uh, it could be the thing of, of a darkened eyesight or blindness, blindness. A person that is blind, physically they, they can't see. There's, they're in darkness. But darkness can also be metaphorical. And in this, uh, oftentimes in Scripture, it is metaphorically speaking. There, it's the ignorance respecting divine things or things from God and human duties as a result of relationship with God. God says, hey, these are things you should do or shouldn't do for your benefit. Don't do this. For goodness sake, if you're going to uh, get married, don't, don't uh, live with your, the person, the spouse or the, the person you want to get married to be until you get married. Don't have sex before marriage. This world, once again, the world is always opposed to the things of God. The things of God are so good. Sex is meant for within marriage. What a wonderful, beautiful thing within marriage. Say thank you, Lord, for that. Praise God. To be in darkness, we're talking ignorance re- regarding or respecting things of God and, and the duties that we have in relationship with God and the accompanying ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery and hell. This is the definition of this word, darkness, that we're going to read in a moment. To be in darkness, we're apart from God. It's persons in whom darkness becomes visible and holds sway. Where the things, sin grabs a hold of them and it's displayed in their existence. It's a thing of, that can be a thing of bondage. And there is no hope in darkness without Christ. Okay, so let's, I want to read quickly. This is Jesus speaking now. He's, and just so you know, he's speaking to Nicodemus, this religious priest Ruler. So he was right up there, one of the top in, in, uh, in Jerusalem and in, in Israel at that time. John 3.15 says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, he's saying it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God sent his son Jesus into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's heart is not that anybody would be apart from him, but that we would spend eternity with God. I cannot wait for eternity with God. I can't wait for the thousand years where Jesus will rule on this earth. Hasn't happened yet. It's coming. If the Lord comes back today, it'll be in seven years that he there will be a return and we will be with him as believers and there will be a ruling for a thousand years physically on this planet. Every single prophecy that had, had to take place and, and, and was foretold has, has already hap- or happened according to prophecy and the things that still have to come. 100% of those things that have, that, that have transpired according to prophecy... They are 100%. They have happened. And that which is still to happen is still coming is so exciting for us as believers to be a believer. Now, just look at the next few verses here. So God wants to save us from our sins. But it says here in verse 18, He who who believes in him is not condemned. In who? In Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, not that He existed, but that He is a part of your life. If you believe in Him, and you allow Him to be a part of your life and in your life and in control of your life, will not be condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation and to be a part of your life, you are already condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of of the only begotten son of G- of God Jesus Christ The son of God is Jesus Christ You wonder why Jesus name is a curse word Like there is no when when you when you are in a, in a bad situation you don't say I wouldn't say oh Margaret Spadzinski Sorry, I, I would never say, if I'm in a bad situation, I wouldn't say my mother's name. If I got hurt or whatever, I don't start swearing and saying, Oh, Buddha, ah, Muhammad, Allah. You don't say those things. But how many times do you, have you maybe said, Jesus Christ? How many times have you said, Why? Of all the names you could possibly use, why Jesus Christ? There's a liar that says, I want you to be condemned and spend eternity apart from God, to be in darkness. Because he, people are condemned because they have not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. And this, now listen, this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So here's the thing. So if I'm in darkness, I, I, don't, I can't really see. I don't even know what color these, these pants are. I think they're, they're bluish, dark blue. But because I'm just in a little bit of darkness, but when I come into the light, I can see right away, oh, yep, yeah, they're blue and I can see every spot and wrinkle that's on my pants because I'm in the light. Now listen, let me read this to you. This is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So a person, and I've seen this happen in church, I've seen this happen right here. In this sanctuary, in fact, it may happen today again. There may be someone here today that you say, I've heard of Jesus. I don't know why I'm here this morning. I'm here, I don't necessarily want to be here. or I don't know, but you're here. God called you to be here. And you are now in the light. And the light is the light of Jesus Christ that says, Hey, listen, men everywhere need to repent. Sin separates us from God. And so when we come into light, we can see every spot and every wrinkle, and the Word of God starts to point things out. This morning, the service started with the passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And it t- gives a list of things that, that the Corinthians were. They were, hey, things just that are the same kinds of things that are going on today. And And my brother said... And he stopped and he paused and he said, And such were some of you. But there was a change that took place. The power of God to change you, to forgive you of your sins. You might say, I'm a good person. One sin keeps us out of heaven. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And the payment, the judgment for one sin is death. Death. We're not talking physical death. We're talking spiritual death. We're talking about being separated from God for eternity. And so God is saying, listen, I don't want that to happen. I want your sins to be taken care of. I want your sins to be washed. You'd be washed clean and you'd be forgiven. Hallelujah. Jesus is the light, the light that came into the world. In John 1 verse 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. He dwelt; The Word dwelt amongst us and became flesh, and we beheld Him full of grace and truth. That was Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. He came and He literally walked on this world, on the face of this earth. But He was even before time began. Jesus Christ is eternal. The Son of God is eternal. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, Jesus, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're talking about hope in darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came from a witness to bear witness of the light. So this John here is not John that was writing the gospel. This John is John the Baptist. And he came, he was a forerunner of Jesus, one of the greatest prophets that lived. And he said, Jesus, the Messiah, or the Messiah is coming. The Christ is coming. You need to repent. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, to tell about the light, that all through him might believe. He, that's John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness, or tell, of that light, uppercase L, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Ethan. Thank you, Jesus, for the light of Jesus. Praise God to have life. Yesterday I heard a testimony from our our brother Don. What a beautiful testimony of where he was at in darkness. And at one point he says, I was an idiot. But man, Don, you're not an idiot. At this point in time, because of what God did in your life, yeah, you probably were an idiot back then. Some of the things that you said or did, it's like, oh, my goodness. But God transforms. Thank God for the light of Jesus Christ in our life to bring us life. We see where we're at, and we need to change. Change. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, his people as a Jew born of Mary and his own did not receive him. They crucified him. The light, the truth, knowledge, things of spiritual purity. Jesus was pure. He never sinned. And the light gives us life. We have life in Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1, verse 27, or actually 29, actually let me read those three verses. In verse 27 it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want to have a hope of glory... Christ better be within you. You can know about Jesus up here. Yeah, I know about Jesus. Yeah, he's some guy that lived 2,000 years ago. Listen to me. You can know about Jesus is not enough. You can be religious and it's not enough. You can come to church every day and it's not enough. If Jesus is not within you, you receive him by faith into your life. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus is the hope of glory the hope is actually a person Jesus is our hope when we have Christ in us we have a hope of a, an eternity ahead that is so good I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of these days there's so much that I'm not afraid of whenever I take my eyes of Jesus off Jesus that's when I start to get a little bit anxious that happened to me just the, the last little while last few few weeks i got got bit by something i had this red thing on my arm and well it's got to be it's got to be lyme's disease so for the last few weeks it's been anything that comes up is that, a, is that something of lyme's lyme's disease in my body can I just say this, whether I have, whatever, Lyme's disease or, or not. The hope that we have, I'm not saying that we just, we don't take care of things. But I'll tell you, when I start to look at things from a human perspective, and I have no solution to the problem, and my eyes don't turn to Jesus, I'll tell you, I start to get in the place of doubt, anxiety, and fear, and hopelessness. All leading to hopelessness. Say, hey, pastor, that, can that happen to you? Absolutely, when I'm in, my fle- in the flesh. When I'm operating in the flesh, I'm in a place, that's the place that I'll go, I'll go to. I'm afraid. So I go to Jesus, who is the light, and I have life in him. He is the true light. Hallelujah. So the question is, where do you stand? Are you in darkness or are you in the light? For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. John three twenty. Jesus speaking here. If you practice evil, you will not want to be in the light. In fact, church can become very uncomfortable for you. And so what happens is well, I'm going to stay in darkness. I'm going to practice in darkness. Listen, are you in the light? Say, I gave my life to Jesus. Let me ask you a different question Are you practicing sin? Are you practicing sin? Is there anything that you are doing that you don't want other people to find out about? That is done in secret? Okay, I'm on my own now. I can do this now. Nobody knows. Nobody's watching. I'm not, I, I, I want to hide what I'm doing. Listen, if you are having to hide what you are doing... You are not living in the light. Because the light, when you're in the light right away, you say, oh my goodness, there is a big stain that needs to be taken care of. Jesus is coming back, and there is a shaking that is going on in the church now. I'm not just talking this church, I'm talking globally. There is a shaking going on, because Jesus is not coming for a church that has spots or wrinkles. Jesus is coming for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. So the thing of practicing the sin, hey, listen, this is not a popular topic. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 22, it talks about a whole list of sins and things like this. And it ends off, and it's all, they're all the works of the flesh. Remember I just finished talking to you about doubt and fear and anxiety within me? That's my flesh. I'm not looking at Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through something in my own strength. And so what happens is I get to this place of fear or anxiety or I, I got I to go into a place of se- secrecy. Listen, if you're men, if you're doing something that your wife, you're, you're hiding from your wife and it's a thing of secrecy, And you're practicing it. The end of that that verse 22, I believe it is, Ephesians 5.22 says, those that are practicing these things, that list and things like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, the Lord is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. It says in 1 Peter 4.17, it says, that judgment begins in the house of the Lord, where will the godless, the unrighteous be? If judgment begins with, within the house of the Lord, where the righteous should be, where will the godless be? Where will the unrighteous be? There's, they have no chance when they stand before God. Listen, there will be of every single accusation. It says, when we stand before God, the books will be opened. And every single thing that we have done and said and thought that was not according to the word of God will be brought. There will be a court. You say it's going to be a long court if, there's, if there is uh, billions of people standing before God. Can you imagine from Adam, the very first man that was created, to the very last being? We will all stand before God and there will be a judgment and there's only one thing that can take away, the thing of sin. There is a thing of repentance and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15. Can we stand together? 1 John 1 verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him, from Jesus, and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. doesn't sound very good. And it's not good. However, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin all of them now I just make I just want to say one thing on that in Hebrews chapter 10 I think from verse 26 it talks about if we willfully sin we practice sin we are determined I'm going to sin I don't care about God I don't believe that he even exists There is no, there is nothing that can take care of our sins then if we willfully sin, especially as believers. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, Jesus being the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins, something to take care of our sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be he or be thought worth... uh, How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counting the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and made it a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But he talks about then about faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Your confidence in Jesus, and in, the, in the, your faith in Jesus, for you have need of endurance to make it to the very end, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise, as he says, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. The Lord is coming. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, is the word of God, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, to being lost, But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So it's not I'm going to go hide in the darkness to continue to practice sin. But I'm going to come into the light. My faith, my confidence is in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask if I could have somebody just bring me a cup uh, this morning as we take communion. And just as we prepare for communion, I just want to ask, is there anybody that you need to give your life to Jesus? Is there anybody that needs to, to get right with the Lord? Because the Lord is saying, I love you so much I, to the point where I died for you. I died for you so that you could have life. Listen, I don't want you to take communion. Don't take the cup if you do not if you're not right before the Lord. Hey. There we go. Got it. So before we take communion... I want you to know that the Lord Jesus desires that you would be right and ready before him. Listen, if there's somebody here this morning and you say, yeah, everybody else figures, yeah, they're a Christian, they're a believer, they're a follower of Jesus Christ. But you're at a place where you know, you know what, there are things that I'm doing in secret. There's things that I'm hiding from my wife. There's things that I'm hiding from my husband. There's things that I'm hiding from my children. As a child or young adult or youth, you might be saying, you know what, yeah, I practice sin. I just want you to know God desires for you to be right before Him when that trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds, the, the catching up of the, the, the saints will take place in the twinkling of an eye. As fast as your eye blinks, you will not have time to get ready. You need to be ready before that time be happens or occurs. And the Lord is saying, I, I love you so much. And so if there's a practice of sin, a thing that you willfully do, and you know it's not right. The Lord's saying, come to me. Confess your sin. I like what it says here. I said, I talked about the blood. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's for the reason we take communion. This communion cup this juice cannot wash away your sin but it is to remember why do we take communion it's to remember his body that was broken that we can have healing and his blood that was shed so that we can take care of the sin in our life so we don't have to be standing before God with spots and wrinkles it's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean hallelujah hallelujah If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do I have to do? Two things. I repent, and part of that repentance is turning. I can't continue to sin willfully. You say, Pastor, what about temptation? Yeah, we all have temptation. Jesus was tempted. You say, Pastor, what about slipping and falling in temptation? That happens too. But there's something different about practicing sin. You say, I don't care. Lord, forgive me. As we confess, Lord, I have practiced sin. And you might be specific about it. You might say, this is what it is. I've been living alive with those around me. I'm doing things in secret. You name that thing that you're maybe doing in secret. You know the reason you're doing it in secret, you know that it's wrong. And God sees everything. And God is saying, I love you. And my son took care of of your sins. Repent, turn, do a 180 and confess the sin. I'm a sinner, Lord, forgive me. And it says that his blood, even as we confess, his blood immediately begins to wash us clean. Thank you, Jesus, for I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, just before he went to the cross, he took bread. Let's all take the bread. Don't eat it yet. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember that I, my body was broken. I suffered on the cross for you. And even leading up to the cross, I suffered for you. So that you can have healing and wholeness. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for the bread that represents your body that was broken for us. That we could have healing. By your stripes, we were healed. Lord, this, this bite that I, I had healed in Jesus' name. By your finished work. Lord, anything that's in my body that should not be healed in Jesus' name by your finished work. And Lord, right across the sanctuary right now, we speak healing as our faith is in you and what you did. Your body broken for us so that we could have healing and wholeness right now in Jesus' name. Let it be. Let it be in Jesus' name. By faith, we do this in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus. Our faith is in you and your finished work. Let's all partake of the bread. Hallelujah. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What is, what, what is it about the cup and, and in his blood that was shed? Our sins are washed away even as we confess, Lord, you died for me. We remember what you did 2,000 years ago on the cross. And, Lord, we thank you that all our sins, past, present, and future, are taken care of. And, Lord, you will give us the strength that we will not practice sin. Lord, even as there is the temptation that comes, Lord, that we will stand. And, Lord, in that fork in the road, we'll say, Lord, I will do what is right before you. And the Holy Spirit will help us to do what is right before you, even in temptation. There is a way of escape. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your blood that cleanses. You're an amazing God. Let's all partake of the cup. Hallelujah. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We're going to keep doing communion until Jesus comes. After that, we will be with Him. There will be a, 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 con- a continued reminder. We will see right in front of us. We will have a, a perfect, immortal body. I heard somebody say the only thing that's of imperfection in heaven with God is, is Jesus with the marks in His hands and on His feet. I just say, thank you, Lord. You took care of our lives by going to the cross. What amazing God. What amazing God we have. The next time when Jesus comes, we will do communion with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We will, it will be a festival. It will be a feast that we have in heaven. It will go on and on for a long time. Seven years Seven years. There will just be an amazing festival. I don't know about you. That's a long time. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, as we close this service with this song, this is my desire. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, not my will, your will be done. Lord, the things... Of the flesh, the things of secret in secret, Lord, we will stop doing those things in Jesus' name. Lord, we will live for you, Lord. This week, I pray there will be powerful works done, Lord, as our young people and those that are there that, that are there this week, Lord, there will be powerful things done in Jesus' name. That will there will be a praise and a glorifying of you, not just in that place. But Lord, there will be a glorifying of you in their lives. As they they come out of that week, there will just be a praise and a worshiping and a glorifying of you. Lord, let that be who we are, a praise to you, a worship to you, a worship unto you in our lives. In Jesus' name, bless my dear brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.